Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. Well, not a great night for the Philadelphia Flyers. Welcome to episode number 16 of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Real quick before we get to all the details of this episode, thoughts and prayers go out to Jay Bomeister of the St. Louis Blues. He collapsed on the bench tonight during a game between the Ducks and the Blues. Uh, about 7.50 into the first period, uh, after a shift, Jay Bomeister was on the bench and just suddenly collapsed. He was being taken to a hospital. Darren Pang is reporting that he was alert. There was a defibrillator close by. Very scary situation, though, uh, during that game between the Blues and the Ducks, the NHL did postpone the game uh, for the remainder of the night, but certainly our thoughts, our prayers, and the hockey community's thoughts and prayers are with Jay Bomeister and the St. Louis Blues, and we hope that his health is uh, improving and he will be just fine. So thoughts and prayers to Jay Bomeister and the St. Louis Blues from everybody, and I think I can speak for the Philadelphia Flyers organization as well. Episode number 16 of Flyers Daily. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, appreciate everybody with the great Twitter commentary as well. You all are picking up your social media dialogue, and I appreciate it. You can tweet me, at Jason Mert. And remember, if you're not subscribed to this podcast, please do so. We'll get to the game in a second. Let me just tell you that later today, uh, the second episode of Flyers Fix will be coming out. Myself and Brian Smith, uh, we had a lot to get into, including, how about this, a, a nice long conversation with Flyers head coach Elaine Vino, which is very revealing, and a chance to sit down with both Claude Giroux and Michael Raffle at the same time. Now, you're going to see a side of uh, these players that perhaps you haven't ever seen before. Um, Michael Raffle is one of those guys that will loosen anybody up and is always a fun guy, goofy guy. And uh, we had a lot of fun with uh, Michael Raffle and Claude Giroux. So you'll hear that coming up later today. And if you're not subscribed to Flyers Fix, make sure you subscribe to that one as well. That comes out every couple of weeks and is a long-form version. This is Flyers Daily. wish it was a better, more celebratory Flyers Daily than maybe the, uh, last night or some of the previous episodes. But that wasn't to be the case. What a game. Uh, the Flyers against the Islanders. Just a, a a really rough first period for the Flyers. Did not play well. We're puck watching. I felt like the Islanders had the puck, possessed the puck, if you will, uh, pretty much the entire period. And they put up three goals in the Flyers in the first. Uh, Josh Bailey at 745, then Matt Martin on a two-on-one, and Jordan Everly made it 3 nothing uh, after one period of play. And I want to go back first to that Matt Martin goal. We'll get to the Jordan Everly one and the great play by Barzell, but still I didn't like what the Flyers did on it. But the Matt Martin goal, uh, Phil Myers pinches on the left wall and Sanheim is not in a position he had already activated as well. So covering the high point was Scott Lawton and boom, that turns into a two-on-one. Matt Martin along with Leo Komarov and Scott Lawton is defending. Now, He's a forward, so he's not used to dealing with a two-on-one situation as the defenseman. And the defenseman's job there, and I had a little bit of back and forth on Twitter uh, with a couple of people saying, Brian Elliott's got to make that save. 
first of all, a two-on-one is about as high danger a scoring chance as you'll get. Matter of fact, a goalie would probably rather face a breakaway than a two-on-one because the breakaway, you at least know who is shooting the puck and you can bear down on that guy. On a two-on-one, there's options. So the man defending the two-on-one, in this case, Scott Lawton, not a defenseman, he, he has to make a decision. Do I either take take away all the time and space of the man possessing the puck and my goalie's going to read that and know it's going to the other guy so he can cheat a bit or am I going to just take away the pass and my goalie's going to play the shot now the second one of those scenarios is the one that you're supposed to do the most often take away that pass take away the lateral movement of the goalie and let the goalie come out challenge the shooter and deal with it that way well, it was kind of an in-between situation for Scott Lawton. And when you're in-between, you're doing neither. So he kind of got sunk in, and the play got sunk in so low that Brian Elliott had to get fall back into his net. And eventually, uh, well, first of all, Komarov shows shot, but eventually dishes it over um, to Matt Martin, and he puts it in the net. And, and it looks like, to some people, that's a bad goal. That is not a bad goal. That is not a goal that's on Brian Elliott. First of all, two of your defensemen got caught in the zone, and you had a forward back as the only defender on a two-on-one, um, and the, the pass gets through Scott Lawton. So that's not a goal that's on Brian Elliott. It's a bad play by the Flyers, but it's not a goal that's on your goalie. That's number one. Number two, the Jordan Everly goal, um, the Flyers puck watching again. This has been a problem far too often. And you see what Barzell does, kind of scooping the puck up, uh, almost a lacrosse style scoop up with the puck and then just finds that soft spot at the top of the circle, goes in, takes a backhand, and then boom, Jordan Everly's there for the rebound and it puts the uh, the aisles up 3 to nothing in the first period. Now the Flyers in the second period, you start to see the territorial advantage. They're starting to gain some footing, and they're starting to dictate play. They get the goal by Travis connecting what was a tremendous backhand sauce pass from James Van Riemsdyk across the high slot. Uh, connecting gets him on the board. Then Robert Hag on a, well, it was a really good play by Giroux there. Um, because he knew he wasn't going to score on that shot that Giroux took, and eventually Hag punched in the rebound. What Giroux's doing there, and we say this in coaching circles all the time, at every level, I say this to my, my kids' team at Bantam, puck on pad. You're, you're shooting the puck there low into his pads because you know it's going to generate a rebound, and when you're shooting on that angle and you have a guy, in this case Robert Hag, driving the net, it's puck on pad to the far pad, and it's going to go right to him, and that's exactly what happened. Puck on pad. If you shoot it in the air, he's catching it with his glove, or he's direction doing a directional rebound to the corner with his blocker, so you have far more opportunity for a rebound on a low shot in that situation Puck on pad. Drew does it, and Hag gets the Flyers within one. Then you head to the third period. Flyers get a goal from Sean Couturier to tie the game at 18-28 with the goalie pulled. And that line had been out there with Couturier, Giroux, Voracek, all of them have been out there for an extended period of time trying to get this game tied. And that play kind of comes into some of the criticism tonight, which I understand. Um, so Couturier gets the game tied at 18-28, but just, what, the, not even a, a minute later. 50 seconds later, or whatever it is, 54 seconds, uh, Ryan Pollock bombs a shot from the point uh, over the blocker of Brian Elliott. Uh, and the Isles regain the lead in the game. They eventually get an empty netter as well from Leo Komarov and Ryan Pollock with the game winner. Uh, now, first of all, he has got a bomb for a shot. He shoots it over 100 miles an hour, um, and it was a great shot. So a couple of the criticisms that came in light of that goal that tied it, and believe me, I was... 
as angry as anybody. I think I broke something in my uh, uh, or downstairs by my TV. Because you're going, what a huge goal it is to tie this game and try and get the extra point, considering how close the standings are. And then, boom, to give it up that quickly and now be down a goal again with only like 30 seconds to get to get the game tied. It just was so unlikely. It's unlikely to get that tying goal against a Barry Trotz team, but then to have to get one again is not going to happen. So I, I was as angry as everybody else. But Brian Jennings tweeted in and he said, JVR either has to block that shot or get the F out of the way. Rarely has AV made personnel errors, but he did on this night. He said, I'm not understanding why AV had who he had on the ice at the end of the game. Now, ideally, of course, you'd love to have Sean Couturier out there. You'd love to have Claude Giroux out there. You'd love to have a different D pair. But you got to realize, and I went back and watched it, those guys were on the ice for about a minute 45 of the previous two minutes of game action. So you can't just put them back out there. You have to get them off. They are gassed, and you don't have a timeout there. So you have to. You have to put a different line out there. Now, could you have gone with a different D pairing there without Provorov and Niskanen? Yeah, perhaps you could have. You probably could have gone a different D pair other than having Myers on the ice. And he's he's had – periods of games where he's really dominant and skating well but he's also a young player and he's going to make mistakes and they couldn't clear the zone everybody got sucked in down below the bottom of the circles and then that puck comes out to Pollock and he has the open lane to to, to bomb away from there and he can and he did and it went in now people also said you know JVR's got to get out there and block that shot he's coming from so low I don't know that he can get out if, if you're going to block a shot and you're going to block Pollock shot you're not going to do it when there's a big gap between the player and the guy trying to block the shot. He's got to be way closer to him to block that, and he may have provided a little bit of a screen there to Elliott as well. And if you don't pick up that shot off the blade of the stick with that kind of power and that kind of accuracy that Pollock had on that one, you're not going to stop it. It didn't get stopped. It goes into the net. It's the game winner. Um, so could Vino have used different personnel in that situation? From the forward perspective, I don't think so. From a defensive perspective, I do think so. So it's a it's a half criticism. I think he could have had a different D pair out there. But as far as the forwards go, he's got Hayes on the ice. He needed a good shift from those guys. Those guys needed to go out and have a good shift and get the puck out of their zone and, and play it 150 or 200 feet from their own net. It didn't happen. They didn't give him a good shift, and they lost the game because of it. It's that simple. Um, also, uh, W. Pierce... 12188 on Twitter says Elliot gave up four goals on 24 shots. That can't happen. Have to get better goaltending. I don't care. Well, here's the deal. Stop getting caught up in the numbers. It doesn't matter that he gave up four goals on 24 shots. The 24 doesn't mean anything. There's this notion that, well, if you give up four goals on 38 shots, that's fine. But if you give up four on 24, that's not fine. First and foremost, every shot is not created equal. Go back to the Devils game that the Flyers lost the other night, five to nothing. They outshot the Devils forty-six to sixteen, and they didn't score a goal because you know why? Those shots, all shots, are not created equal. You can throw the puck at the goalie, and it counts as a shot. And a, but but I mean, if you're just throwing it there with no traffic in the air and it's easy for him to catch, then that that doesn't do me any good. It's about quality not quantity when it comes to goaltending. I've seen goalies give up three shots or three goals on 25 shots and have a way better game than giving up two goals on 38 shots. 
Again, it's about quality, not quantity. And goaltending is a product of everyone on the ice. It's not a product of just the goaltender. Uh, it is Goaltending does not happen in a vacuum. It's a product of what's going on on the ice in total. And when you look at that Barzell goal earlier in the game, you look at that two-on-one, those are prime examples. So that's how I feel about that. Anyway, the scores tonight around the league, there's a couple interesting matchups tonight. Just wanted to get that off my chest, by the way. Um, so the Panthers tonight got a win in New Jersey against the Devils. They pick up two points, but they don't make up any ground in their division because the Leafs get a win in overtime over the Coyotes. But the well the penguins lost that's always a good thing and the hurricanes tonight played down in dallas it was an 8:30 puck drop there in dallas and the final was 4-1 the stars beat the canes so when you look at this and you look at the standings so what's the fallout of the flyers losing this game to the new york islanders one of the teams that they could have leapt tonight if they got a win tonight in regulation they would have jumped over the islanders in the standings that didn't happen, obviously. So what does it mean now? So as we get into Wednesday of this week, the Flyers are still holding on to a wild card spot. They're still at wild card number two. Columbus didn't play tonight. They still have the 70 points. The Islanders did play. They played the Flyers. They had 70. Now they have 72. So the division looks like this, the Metro. The Caps are at the top of the division with 77 points. They weren't in action tonight. Penguins were. They got a point tonight because they lost in overtime to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, so they have 74 points. And then the Islanders with 72 points, just two points back of uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's your top three. And then you have the Columbus Blue Jackets with 70 and the Flyers with 69. The Leafs are holding down that three spot right now in the Atlantic Division with 68 points. But the Carolina Hurricanes, two points back of the Flyers with a game in hand. So they have 67 points. And the Florida Panthers with their win tonight, uh, 56 games and 66 points. So things are still tight. But all said and done, the Flyers didn't lose any ground tonight other than to the Islanders, who they played. Now, that's a big game, and the Islanders may be one of the teams that falls into the wild card or that third spot in the division is something you would still much prefer if you're a Flyers fan to get into the playoffs. You want one of those top three spots so you can, first of all, have a better shot at home ice advantage if you move on, and obviously you don't want to match up against the Capitals or the Bruins in round number one if you fall into a wild card position. Some people do want to match up against the Capitals because the Flyers kicked the crap out of them the other night. I'm not one of those people. That game was an outlier. That Washington team, I know they're getting really poor goaltending right now from Holpe. Even the other night uh, with uh, the other goaltender, they didn't get great goaltending. So, but they're going to straighten that out. I prefer not to take on the Caps or the Bruins in the first round. But all said and done, the Flyers come out tonight basically exactly where they were. Was it a missed opportunity? Absolutely. Was it a missed opportunity when you tied the game uh, with just a, a minute and a half left? A huge missed opportunity to not at least get a point out of that game. They didn't get it, and they're still going to go on this road trip. Two more games on the trip, and a monster game, monster game for the Flyers on Thursday when Florida's going to be looking for revenge down in their building, uh, down in Sunrise. Flyers will take on the Panthers coming up on Thursday night, and then they'll be back in action on Saturday uh, against the hottest team in the NHL. And that, of course, 
is obviously the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're steamrolling right now. They've been tremendous. They had a slow start to the season, but they have really got their game clicking on all cylinders right now, and that's a Saturday game at 4 o'clock down in Tampa, and then the Flyers will return home to take on Columbus on Tuesday, and that home-and-home with Columbus Tuesday and Thursday, both games against the Columbus Blue Jackets. What a massive stretch of schedule this is right now for the Philadelphia Flyers. Look, other teams are dealing with it too. The Islanders have a really, really tough schedule coming up. They needed that win tonight at home because the Islanders' upcoming schedule looks into who they have here. Now, they're third spot in the Metropolitan Division right now. So after this game tonight, they go on their four-game road trip. They got to go to Nashville. They got to go to Vegas. They got to go to Arizona, and they got to go to Colorado. That's no party either. So we'll see how this all plays out. Again, this is the good thing about Flyers Daily. We talk to you about this stuff every day, and usually it's ever-changing. Very little change tonight, despite the fact that a number of these teams have played. We'll see where it all comes down when Thursday, when the Flyers are getting ready to get back in action come Thursday night down in Florida. But everybody, thanks for listening to Flyers Daily. And and in light of the fact that I just saw tour dates announced for Rage Against the Machine. What a perfect night to give you a little old school rage. Enjoy your hockey, everyone.
dreams, all of which are American dreams.